Right, so we're recording now? We are recording now. Okay, fuck you both. <laughs> Just to let you know. Hooray! <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> My ability to summon fish is of no use for this toppling building. Representing the United States West Coast, Dazzler. Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. They like a little badunkadunk. Yeah. Is, is, am I allowed to say that? Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. Everybody's in the midst of grief and Reed Richards' wife is hitting on the new guy. And now your hosts, Luke Matthews. Back in my day, I paid 75 cents for a comic and I could still buy a can of soda for a quarter. Andy Pinnell. Hey, Captain America, since you got sent back 50 years into the past, here's an idea. Write yourself a fucking letter. <laughs> Dear future me, don't go to the courthouse. And Bean. I think the only fictitious one was the ones that were naked and also assassins, kind of, and had strange Russian blacklight tattoos. Yes. Okay. And Joel Simon. And some guys, if you're down on your luck, you would you would like to see somebody throw you a bone and you know have sex in in a bathroom. <laughs> I just fell ate the mic. That's what you need to do. I just forgot ah, where oh. these mic covers have been. Mm-hmm. That's Micatron's. Uh, <laughs> you got the good one. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's his saying? Ass fist. Rubber fist. Rubber fist. Rubber fist. Rubber fist. Ass fist Ass is fist. good though. That's like that's like a DC hero right there. <laughs> 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 when a terrible sex toy accident went wrong, Ass Fist was born. <laughs> Arm fall off lads, best friend in the world. <laughs> Adventures of arm fall off lad arm and ass fist. Lad? Yes, is that a thing? Yeah, Legion of uh, superhero or is it Legion of superheroes? Th- uh, Three thousand. <laughs> Fuck, I don't remember. Basically, a bunch of uh, fuck it. It makes Flaming Carrot look like he is an actual superhero. Wow, <laughs> man! Anything with three thousand at the end is automatically a ridiculous thing. Yeah. Uh, There's also like 2099, which is clearly not as cool. Yeah, huh. man. Let me just tell you, it's shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really bad. Let's, let's take Spider-Man and Punisher and Hulk of all things, yeah. and let's put them in the sort of future. Sort of future. Just a little bit in the future. I'm the maestro. <laughs> uh, welcome everybody to episode 47 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am Luke. I am here with the Trade Secrets crew of Anbean. Hello. Joel Simon. Sup? Andy Padel. God damn it. <laughs> Got it. I'm going to start this off uh, per Andy's request by saying uh, there are some pretty big spoilers in this podcast because of uh, because of the book that we're reading, which is a Dark Horse collection called Noir, and it's a bunch of short... Uh, noir. Short, noir. 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 And it's a uh, it's a collection of it's a collection of comic short stories, and there's a couple of short stories uh, that are uh, have some crucial spoilers in them. So just be warned that if you haven't read this collection yet, you probably should before you listen to the rest of the show. They're noir. <laughs> they all have twists. <laughs> yeah, they all have some twists, but there's some a few are... things in particular that we'll get into in the second segment that are just like pretty pretty. Snake Pretty big. The, the last goddamn story is so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, unlike most of the rest of our episodes, what we're going to do this time is uh, this this last weekend, I drove up to Vancouver and uh, did an interview with with Johnny Christmas and Ed Brisson about their upcoming image book, Sheltered. Uh, here you guys, here you guys, editing. I want to so. see uh, like Ed and Johnny be like, 
this guy interviewed us? What the fuck? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember this. So, yeah, anyway, we'll lead right into that. Uh, here you go, guys. This is this interview with uh, Ed Brisson and Johnny Christmas about Sheltered. Hey, everybody. It's Luke for Trade Secrets, and I am here in Vancouver talking to Ed Brisson and Johnny Christmas about their upcoming image book, Sheltered. How are you guys doing this morning? Not well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, me too. Uh, two pitchers of beer straight just you know, just for me is uh, is enough. Yeah. It's it's plenty. I'm a- I'm actually happy the waitress talked me out of ordering that third pitcher last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you weren't there for that. Or no, we just cut off. Uh, yeah, she talked me out of it. Like Ed, you know, we we met at, at Emerald City this last year and talked about comeback, and we had a slight off the air conversation about sheltered because you weren't quite ready to announce it yet. Where I kind of wanted to start was with you, Johnny. I was wanted to find out like where uh, where your path into the into the comics industry started and how you ended up hooking up with Ed for for sheltered. Uh, well, I've always been drawing, and um, I went to uh, art high school, and that's kind of when I first really mm-hmm. fell in love with comics. I always kind of like find flash comics at the Seven Eleven or what have you, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, so found an X-Men issue that Jim Lee did way back when and it just kind of like sparked something and uh, from there like I said I went to an art high school then I went to uh, Pratt Institute for um, illustration Mm -hmm. and I kind of stepped away from comics for a while and all illustration did graphic design for a bit and then when I uh, came to Vancouver um, I was getting back into to comics and uh, and I met Ed he he was right down the hall from here actually we were um, Actually, you were here when when we uh, you showed me this place. Actually, you were like, "Oh, I think this place." Yeah, is yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we struck up a friendship, and we just started. Uh, pretty soon after that, we started collaborating on stuff. Was your first collaboration the murder book, or did you do anything before that? We did a pitch before that. Um, okay. And uh, which we have pages here if you want to see them. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, but murder book was the first thing that we did that saw the uh, light of day. Um. So moving on to Sheltered, then uh, it comes out this July, right? And July tenth. Yeah. July tenth. The basis for the story is that it's a, a group of preppers who um, sort of break off from society, form their own little community, basically, um, where they're they're becoming self sufficient. So if that any sort of end of world, end of society sort of situation hits, they can survive. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they're you know, like preparing for the end of the world, essentially, and. Uh, uh, the story is really about uh, the kids getting some information that um, they think it, uh, the end is uh, around the corner, and uh, it's about how they deal with that information uh, moving forward. Uh, there are some complications that they believe are, are present, and uh, I'm really dancing around, like uh, you know, not giving away spoilers, but you know, sure. uh, there there's some complications, and, and they have to uh, react uh, accordingly, and maybe um, maybe not in the best way possible, but uh, in the story, it's it's stuff that makes sense to the way that they were brought up and, mm-hmm. and, and the way that they're they're sort of uh, taught to think. And uh, so it's just about them uh, doing this thing, and then the sort of fallout from that afterward. It's basically like an isolationist community, kind yeah, of like absolutely. of people who are just trying to get ready for whenever something happens. That's right. right. Uh, they're actually they're forty miles from the nearest uh, their nearest neighbor in, in the story. So, how did you guys? Um, how did the pitch process with image go like was it uh did you have an in because of comeback and then a bit yeah uh so comeback had 
it was before it came out actually when we pitched it and um I can't remember when it, when it was. It was right around New York Comic Con last year of 2012. And um, Johnny and I had already wanted to do a second or a project together. And so we sort of put this together and started pitching it just before, about a month before Comeback uh, came out. I think it was about when we pitched it. So we'd already seen the numbers on Comeback at that point. And mm-hmm. it, it did you know, well, well enough that uh, I think they were willing to take a chance on another book. Huh? Did you? Uh, is this going to be your first full-length comic project? I think so, yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm pretty proud of it, what we've done so far and, and how it's looking and mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's gonna be a it's a good way to, to start. Uh looking into Sheltered, I had never even really known that, that this whole prepper community like was a, an actual thing. Yeah, it, it was uh initially when um uh it was actually I think when Johnny and I were talking about doing pitches, we I think we set a deadline where we're like we're gonna meet on this day yeah, yeah. in your studio and we're each gonna have three ideas <laughs> and we're gonna talk them out uh over over a six pack of beer. And uh it's kind of it, it was weird because the way that Sheltered came about. I I I'll, um I'm gonna kinda of go backwards here a bit, but like mm-hmm. Sheltered came about because I was watching the this doomsday stuff. And uh, I had three separate ideas. I can't even remember what they were. And, and Johnny had three ideas. And then we, we sort of pitched and talked them out. And I don't think we were really settling on something. And it was just like I just like pulled out of my ass. I'm like, well, I've been watching this show about these doomsday guys. And it's kind of weird because like, it's not so much them that freaks me out as much as that they're parents in a lot of the episodes. And they're raising their kids in this sort of state of paranoia. And, you know, there's like there's one where they bring their like seven year old daughter to a shooting range and they're t- teaching her how to deal, you know, handle the gun. And I got a seven year old daughter. So I was like, <laughs> that was the freaking shit out of me. Right. And uh, <laughs> and uh, there's another where they're running these teenagers through these training exercises where they're like, you know, he would drive. I, I still don't know what what how this helps you in a post apocalypse world. But the guy would drive a, a, a pickup truck through the compound and the teens had to run jump in the back of the pickup truck while it was moving, roll across, and then hop out the other side uh, and with, with a, a, a gun in their hands, a, a, a sort of rifle. But anyway, uh, why I started watching these shows is uh, I, I really like post-apocalyptic type stuff. Um, like um, everything from like high class, like The Road. I love the road, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and you know, back to like 1990 Bronx Warriors, and uh, <laughs> you know, um, I'm trying to. Remember. There's another post-apocalyptic one that's great. Uh, uh, involves uh, and the world happens, and it's just like a ma- uh, two men, a woman, and a German Shepherd, and the two men are fighting over the woman, and meanwhile she she runs off with the German Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> it's really. <laughs> Uh, like a post-apocalyptic it's a post song. <laughs> it's a, it's a weird, she literally falls in love with the German Shepherd and runs away with it. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, I was researching for a post-apocalyptic story, and then I came across the show Doomsday Preppers, and I had not been familiar with Doomsday Preppers before that. Uh, I was familiar with preppers to an extent, like you know, people have bunkers mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff, and um, but I didn't realize to what extent it was sort of back you know you had a i think a lot more in the 80s and the 60s um so through doomsday preppers and i, I got on a bunch of books and, and Did it, stuff. do you know why it came back was it a, like a 9-11 thing you know maybe uh, triggered maybe it or was it just like thing also yeah was going on? I, I, okay. I think 10, 2012 kind of played into it a lot i think that like there is this weird um um thought that the people's freedoms are being um taken away more so than 
there has been a long time. Whether mm. or not that's true, I won't really get into what I believe. But like, <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of people who think that there is. Right. Uh, a lot of them really seem to dislike Obama, and there's a <laughs> lot of that. Um, and because. Because a lot of them are southern as well, it feels like there's a racial component to it that's kind of not not cool, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, there's there's uh, any time that I like from there, I started listening to like a lot of um, podcasts, of, you know, from from dooms uh, from preppers and uh, reading books and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, there's a lot of it in, down south for sure um, in your country, not ours. Sure. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, yeah, and uh, so I just sort of started kind of obsessing about that, um, and rather than doing a post-apocalypse story, because initially I wanted to see what like if if the end came, how these people would survive, like what what were the uh, tactics to take, mm-hmm. and um, and then instead I just got wrapped up in their own, their now, you know, and how, yeah. uh, and how, what they think is happening and all that sort of stuff. I'm interested. To, I, I'm I'm kind of interested to go look at some of this stuff now because I'm kind of interested to see how those communities would prepare for the various different kinds of potential apocalypses. Right? Yeah. It's like, are you prepping specifically? Are you just going to, you know, hold yourself up in a bunker regardless of what happens? Are you waiting for a nuclear apocalypse or is it a disease thing that Everyone's you're like prepping for? It's like, yeah. right. It's, <laughs> I think, yeah, the, the popular ones is nuclear is not as much right now. Uh, really a lot of the focus seems to be a lot of these people are worried about losing their guns. That's like a huge thing with them right now. Um, but it's, it's really kind of like, they're all over the place. Like a, a lot of podcasts will have, uh, um, commercials uh, in between about like teas that are better than for you than medicine, you know, so don't go and <laughs> spend all this medicine. These teas have been proven to work and then everybody, they get like 45 second commercials or whatever. And everybody talks like <laughs> doing the commercials. Like that thing, um, like when you were in elementary school and you had to give like a 45 minute speech <laughs> and you blast through it as quickly as possible. Oh, this is Tom here. I'm from a uh, prepper central where we got, we got bunkers on this and they'll just like talk so fast, uh, that you can't understand what the hell they're saying half the time. But, um, yeah, there's uh, the bombs. So they, the shelters to protect themselves against bombs, uh, EMPs, uh, mm. Uh, which is an electromagnetic pulse, which mm-hmm. would take out all electronics. So they've got Faraday boxes and all that sort of junk. Uh, a big thing is actually economic collapse is uh, is what they're mm-hmm. convinced. So uh, a lot of the commercials are for buying gold because gold has always been proven to uh, be more <laughs> stable than cash in our economy, which is actually not true. <laughs> 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 There's a lot of the commercials where you're like, ah, I don't, I don't know if I buy that. And you know, you can research it, and they're like, "Of course, you research it," and it tells you that that's not true because the government is lying to you. <laughs> they want you to think it's not true. Uh, but um, you know, like gold, whatever gold is is. I'm sure you could trade it, but it's it's not perfect either. But uh, yeah, but yeah. So the, there's uh, the EMPs, the nuclear attack, the uh, and the. Um, uh, economic collapse. So they're all like sort of big, uh, big things right now. I think that they're mm-hmm. that they're dealing with. But there's like an, an incredible amount of like potential end of world things, and we went through just a sh- shit ton of them for like figuring out what the the catalyst is for sheltered, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, you'll have to read issue three to find out what, <laughs> what that actually is. So we got a really good one actually. Yeah. And you were saying that uh, you know you kind of brought this. It sounded like you kind of brought this idea in you you each sat down and had your you know your three ideas and this was kind of an outlier like it yeah. wasn't really 
one of the core ones that you guys right. were talking it was about. Kind of like at the end, of like oh yeah, by the way, just yeah. like a, a toss off, and we're like oh, so we just started talking about that. I think we we're pretty much wrapping up, and we yeah, oh, yeah, we were like getting ready to go. Like yeah. uh, I think we we're going to the Comic Jam actually, yeah. <laughs> and we just were just, and then we started in on this and just kind of started talking it out and talking out like these kids and the situation and the paranoia and the preparations and just the mindset and um, just kind of started pulling thread and. Mm-hmm. It, started looking more and more interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Th- this type of in- book is interesting to me because, like I said, I'm, I'm into post-apocalyptic stuff too, but it seems like a lot of the post-apocalyptic stuff that's out there is, is all, it's all the same kind of stuff. It's like, you know, something, something crappy happens and then everybody turns on each other. Mm-hmm. One of the things that interests me, interests me about Shelter is, is because all the post-apocalyptic stories are that, like that, um, it's seeing the aftermath of the paranoia, but not the lead up to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Yeah, it's a a big part of sheltered is that sitting around waiting for the end to -hmm. happen. Um, And uh, and also like with these kids that this is they've been raised with this. Right. So like the one thing that was interesting to me is that whole idea of like these kids are they're 17 and their entire lives have been going through drills, preparing for, you know, like to protect your your bunker or whatever if someone comes to try and steal your food and, and all or you know whatever it might be mm-hmm. and so yeah and and that whole lead up to it the paranoia the whole you know getting stressed out cuz you're you're waiting for this thing to happen and and you don't even really know what the thing is yet uh, they do like, we don't sure yeah, okay yeah, yeah. Uh, we we don't get it until we don't get the full thing in, until issue 3 mm-hmm. you know I, I wanted to sort of just let it sit there for a bit and then and then and then get into the details how many issues is the the run? Uh, we don't know. Don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, then let me put it this way: How many issues is the first arc? Uh, well, the, the problem, the thing with sheltered is it has one end, so okay. it's building to one thing. Uh, so um, the first arc uh, will be like a, a five issue arc, but it's really just one part of the of the larger story. So okay. it's, it's the whole story is one story. Um, so there there won't be like a really clean wrap up after issue five sure sure um shit gets a lot worse after issue five um and then and then so on forward uh, you know we'll, we'll try and keep uh these five issue things happening but it's just all continues to build to where it ends which is actually i think we figured out the ending first and then sort of yeah. went from there so you know we know where it's going do you have an idea of like how long you would want the the series to run um or is it, are you just leaving it open-ended because you know if you have an ongoing you can yeah, I think we've talked about it a bit, um, but we, uh, I'm going to dodge the question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because we talked about it a bit, and we have a couple um, options, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. available to us to get to that, that end point. And so we'll just see how, how it we, – we're going to do it the most natural way possible. Mm-hmm. So if we're not going to, like, drag it out for, you know, 120 issues or anything like that, just uh, – just because, like we we, mm-hmm. we really want to get to the ending and make it meaningful and work, and so you know whatever feels the most sort of natural. Do you guys have anything uh, aside from shelter? Do you have any ideas moving forward? Like once it's over, do you have any plans for the future that you can actually talk about? Or uh, we've talked a bit about going back to a pitch to, to actually to pitch that Johnny mentioned earlier that we were mm-hmm. working on uh, before Murder Book. I guess it's a story that we both really like, and. Uh, it kind of along the way got complicated. We were talking with a publisher about that pitch, and it went through a lot of like rewrites, mm-hmm. and um, and ended up becoming something it wasn't initially. So 
there's a process, I guess, of going back to that once shelter's done and sort of unspooling it and, and getting back to the core story. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully we'll do that, uh, you know, down the line. We'll see. But uh, that's one. Yeah. Out of curiosity, you said that you, um, Johnny, you had started in illustration and then kind of got out of it and got into graphic design. What, yeah. out of curiosity, why? What happened there? Oh, um, well, uh, at the time when I left art school, it was just like a really good market for, and, uh, for graphic design. And I kind of got disillusioned a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period that <laughs> I think everyone has a comic story where they kind of stepped away from comics for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a point in time when I was just like, you know what, forget this, whatever. And I just, I left uh, drawing behind, got into graphic design, just went out and started, <laughs> you know, trying to form rock bands and <laughs> stuff like that. And just, uh, it was a good time, actually. I, I don't regret it. And it was a wise move at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of what, what did it. And then slowly I started coming back around when I, like, I was, I was done with comics and I was like, I'm not coming back. And then I decided, well, let me just read a few of these classics that I've always wanted to before mm-hmm. I say goodbye. So, uh, so I grabbed from hell, I grabbed uh, Akira and a friend of mine got me, um, love and rockets. Oh yeah. So those three, I mean, after that I was like, I'm back, you know, like, <laughs> I got to get back into this medium. It was, it was so exciting. And, um, yeah, uh, those three still stand like they loom large in, uh, in my mind mm-hmm. in, uh, in comics. I think we'll go ahead and wrap uh, up. Yeah. So again, Sheltered comes out. When does it come out? July tenth. July tenth. Yep. July tenth from if, Image Comic Books. But if people are at an Image Expo uh, the week before, get it a week the, early. Yeah, you oh. get it a week early. It's a. It's just like a one day thing that Image is putting on this year. Um, okay. All I know about it really is that uh, yeah, we'll have the Image uh, Expo exclusive cover for for uh, Sheltered. And uh, have you shown <laughs> that cover online at all? I'm trying to. Uh, I don't think, think we have. No, no. no. There we didn't. It's uh, the Image Expo one, and then we did, and when I say we, I mean, I mean Johnny, did three <laughs> covers for uh, three different shops have their own uh, variant covers that they got. Okay. So it's like a, a Larry's Comics and Jetpack Comics split a cover. Maximum. Maximum in Las Vegas, where Johnny and I will be on july 10th signing there you go shelters and uh yesteryear comics down in san diego okay where we will be on the 17th of july signing comics well uh thank you guys very much for for taking a few minutes and sitting down with us and talking about your new book uh everybody go out and pick up shelter on july 10th you guys sounded like you had a hell of a night <laughs> yeah, it was um it was the first time in a long time that I've been drunk enough to actually not be able to walk straight. Like the, oh. and I had to walk all the way back. I had to walk like eight blocks back to the hotel and it was uh, like uh. stopping by a, uh, made an obligatory stop at Tim Hortons and spent the entire night weaving down the sidewalk with Christina eating Timbits on the way back to the hotel. I, so I, I just remember the uh the the packs where you texted me at like three in the morning <laughs> like, I'm drunk can I crash your place I didn't see it until 10 a.m. the next day I'm like god I hope Luke's not dead in a ditch yeah I think that was I think that was two <laughs> packs ago that was when I was at the IGN party and I was like there are pictures from that IGN party I don't remember yeah. anyway uh, again, thank you to, to um, another big thank you to Ed, Ed Brisson and Johnny Christmas for talking to us about Sheltered comes out July 10th um, and as they said uh, on July 10th they'll be at Maximum Comics in Vegas signing and then the week after that on the 17th they're going to be at uh, 
Oh, fuck. I can't remember the name of the comic shop in San Diego. Well, whatever. They said it. So, comic shop in San Diego that they talked about, blah. I was going to write it down and I completely forgot. I was say, through the magic of editing, no, that won't happen. Oh, dude. There was a. I, I edited it out because it's a funny story, but it's definitely not funny to hear. Where so the cover, the cover of of Sheltered uh, number one is one of the main characters standing. It's kind of a foreshortened shot of him standing there with a gun in his hand, and it's it's. At one point, I was looking at the cover, and I had no idea what the characters were, and the gender's a little ambiguous. And I flipped the coin and came up wrong. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, all I've seen is the cover with the uh, with the girl standing in the blood with a, with a gun in her hand, and they're like, you mean the boy standing in the blood? Yeah, with the <laughs> and I'm like, whatever. I'm like, uh, yeah, foot firmly planted in mouth. Did you actually call yourself out in front of Johnny on that one? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh good. yeah. Good. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, I don't know that we have a hell of a lot else to talk about uh, at this point, unless you guys have some comic that you've been reading right lately that's you specifically want to. To, to talk about it all? Nothing? Copra. Good. Copra? What's Copra? Copra, Copra is an independently published comic. Um, it is like through no one. Like, <laughs> it's so independently like published. It's like they printed printer? it themselves. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I think it's from Portland. I don't actually remember who the artist or the writer are. It is. Don't, don't you have, have it, it here? Right there. <laughs> I have a fucking stack like we, of comics somewhere. We both, we both have the same exact thought. We're like, you just showed it to us. Why don't you look Physical up the... <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to try this. You, you try pronouncing uh, it. Ooh, Grant I get to try pronouncing something? <laughs> <laughs> it's Michel. Mich- Michel as in the, the French M-I-C-H-E-L. Michel Fife. <laughs> it's I'm, just a I'm bunch of Fs. So ins- I'm going to insult somebody so bad. but F-I-F-F-E. Michel Fife. Michel Fife. Cannot pronounce that name. The book is awesome. Michel Fife. Michel Fife. Um, I guess it is a very small print right now that asshole. I'm looking at it. Thanks for letting me be the asshole, by the way. That, yeah. Good good way of bouncing I'm that like, off. Oh, hey, check it out. It's a bomb. Luke, think fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the print runs, I guess, are only up to 600 per issue. So okay. I apologize if you can't find it. If you can, I highly recommend picking it up. It's very weird, very cool. I bet um, you could find it at Floating World. If there was one comic shop in Portland yeah. that I would go to, Yeah, that would be it. Um. It's, it's just bizarre. It, it, <laughs> no, no description, no genre. It's it, just fucked up. It's like weird, futuristic sci-fi superhero-ish stuff. Nice. And it's French. No, it's it's English. Oh, it is. Yeah. No, uh, well, the the artists sound Fifra. Fif. Michel. There was no R's. There's no R. It's F I F F E. Fifa. Fifa. That is a Frank Igloo. Frank Frank. Egg. <laughs> We're going to be at ECCC next year and someone's just going to punch me in the mouth. <laughs> no, they're going to punch me in the mouth because you deflected it to me, remember? Mm. No one's going to punch you in the mouth, Luke. <laughs> You're a goddamn ogre. You're like seven feet tall. And if you have the beard, someone's like, hey, I think that's Patrick Rothfuss. <laughs> Man, he's bigger than I thought. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, so for the last couple of weeks or about a week now, we've been reading Noir. 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 Guy Noir. No, I The last couple of weeks, we've been reading Noir. Uh, Okay. Noir is a Dark Horse collection that was, I don't, when did it come out? 2009. Uh, Yeah. It came out in 2009 uh, with a lot of 
big talent and some small talent people that I've never heard of, but... Um, I'm going to start listing off some names here. Uh, Brian Azzarello, Gabriel Ba, Ed Brubaker, mm-hmm. um, Jeff Lemire, David Latham. Jeff Lemire. M.K. Perker. Yeah, M.K. Perker. Je- Jeff Lemire was the one that surprised me, actually. I didn't... Um, I didn't realize he would have been into noir stuff. Yeah, like uh, I, guess. I saw Dave Lapham. 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 I think it's Lapham. Lapham. Yeah, Lapham. D. Lapham. <laughs> and I absolutely love Stray Bullets. Um, I uh-huh. think it's phenomenal. And that's what sold me on it. And then I was like, okay, well, who else did stuff? Because he does the first story in here. Uh, I'm like, oh, Gabriel Baugh. I happen yeah. to love Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Ed Brubaker. Even better. Uh, criminal. Fantastic, Brian Azzarello, hundred bullets, yeah. quality. Okay, I don't hey. give a fuck who else. Does well, and that, yeah, in here. and that's the thing. It's like Bra- uh, Brian Azzarello. The story that Brian Azzarello writes is drawn by Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon, yep. which is spectacular. Power team, yeah. And so, uh, and the the Ed Brubaker one is is in the criminal universe, of course, which is cool. Um, I. This is there's what there's I think twelve twelve stories in here. There's one prose story who is uh, with with a few illustrations by Joel Jones, um, who is currently the the artist on Helheim. Um, and nice, yeah. Uh, and I was pretty wholly impressed by this book. It, it in my opinion is probably the best collection of comics that I've ever read. I uh, uh, have read a couple of random Dark Horse collections, and this by far outclassed the the other one that I read. Um, I th- I appreciate that Dark Horse is willing to sort of take chances and do more with a short comics format because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of there's a wealth of stuff that can be mm-hmm. done there, but um, it's a little little harder unless there's you know the industry backing you. Know, I think that I'm. I've been meaning to read more of the Dark Horse Presents books because I have a feeling they have a lot of these nice little tidbits, but this is a collection. Kick the ass. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And it is it is very uh, classic noir in most cases. Like it's, there, it's there's a very few offbeat things. Yeah, there's a few offbeat things. I think most of them, though, are very, very, I don't want to say standard, but like... Um, there's some stuff that dealt more directly with the tropes of the genre, and yeah. there's some stuff that was like playing with the tropes of the genre, like the last story in particular. Yeah, um, and there's some stuff that like had the feel of noir without having like stereotypical noir stuff. Like I thought the first story was totally a noir story. I buy that, but that's not. That was Dave Lapham. Yeah, Lapham. Lapham. <laughs> Lapham. Uh, so basically, the first story is a story set in the world of a hundred bullets, and. Um, do you guys just want to each pick out one of the twelve stories and stray bullets, about not hundred bullets? Jesus, very, bullets. very, very bullets. different. Mm. Fucking Amy Racecar, goddamn it! Yeah. Um, uh, so stray bullets, which is an amazing story, if anyone gets a chance to read it. Um, I don't ever think it was collected, which mm. makes me sad. Uh, it's one of those books that you read it and you're just like, whoa! It's black and white, um, very sporadically published. I think there's thirty two issues with maybe five of them having to do with a side story called Amy Race Car. Um, takes place in, I believe it starts out in 77 or 78. Um, and there's a kid and she gets attacked by some people and gets cut across the face. Mm-hmm. And then it proceeds to follow her as she's growing up. Her dad uh, dies of cancer. Um, she falls in with some drug dealers who then those drug dealers have a drug deal that goes wrong. And it's one of the, like the earliest stories that I can remember really being just well crafted. Like I, I, it was one of the first stories that I read that wasn't like X Men or Captain America or some campy superhero type stuff. Hmm. 
and I then spent the next 10 years hunting down the issues because I only had like issue two and five at first and then you know I found issue six and then I found issue 17 mm-hmm. but uh hit, like his art is just awesome yeah it's good stuff mm-hmm. I like that one I think um one of the one of the best ones in here that's it's very very typical noir but it's really one of the best most well done ones is a lot the last hit Oh, um, yeah. which is uh, written written by Chris Offutt and illustrated by Kano and Stefano Gaudiano. Gaudiano. <laughs> you're, you're just getting shit on really? names this time. Kano? Like, fucking cybernetic eye and all? Oh, yeah, dude. That was his career K-I-N-O? before he was a pit fighter. K-A-N-O. Pit fighter slash crime boss. Yeah, right. Um, and that one was like, that one is, I, I like it because it's the it's very... It's very indicative of the of noir as a genre, especially the crime side of it. Where anybody who does anything good, it just gets fucked for it. Like no matter what, they they just get. Yeah. You know, this guy, even though he's a bad person, uh, if, if you're to believe, you know, the story, he's like, he's kind of the top end of the low lifes, right? But he gets um, he he tries to do right by. He's an assassin, tries to do right by the guy who is sent to assassinate him and gets fucked for it. Gets just... And... Okay, so outside of the last story, because we'll we'll talk about the last story. Yeah. What was everyone's favorite story? I have to look. Let me see. The Um, first one. Joel? The first one for me. And I thought it was was the Stray Bullets one. Yeah, just the fact that there's these two kids and they're they're about to do wrong and they get so wrapped up in this berserker bloodless frenzy that they end up... Getting turned on each other. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I appreciated that it was... They turn on each other. It was a real (laughs) twist on a rape story. Yeah. Because I've heard enough goddamn rape stories, right? But this was a... Uh, the person who's locked in a box tied up has the most power. That's kind of fucking awesome. It's like that's uh, the, yeah. that is the main character from uh, Stray Bullets. Yeah. So. yeah, and she gets out of it by using her wits. Yep. And, and I love those type of characters. And when I first read this book, I read that as like, okay, I'm in. All right. and, you know, and, and some of the the other ones after that were a little bit slower, but then it picks up towards the end. And um, that's that was, I thought, a good starting point. Really punches you in the nose. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the last hit was probably my favorite out of the book. That's that's the one that it just like I, I just liked the progression of it because it was one of the few times um, it feels to me, especially in short short noir, that uh, a lot of the authors feel the need to have. Um, usually a twist at the end of some sort. Even if it's a small one, it's usually a twist, and it usually involves somebody getting screwed. In this case, he, even though I knew what I was reading, even though I knew the genre from the title of the fucking book, I still he still led me on the path of believing that maybe it would, was maybe it would turn out well. And, and then that, that is the key. Of, that is the key of a, an excellent writer. Yeah, I mean, he really had you, you know, hook, line, and sinker. That you're like, okay, so things are going to turn out all right. This is possible. Nope. 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 Yeah. There's good in people still. Yeah. Never mind. Okay, yeah. so which one was the last hit? There was the one with the assassin who was in the apartment for three for a month and never saw his target, and then okay, uh, called his boss and found out that there was another assassin that was. And he corners the assassin in the alleyway. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 That one was a good one too. Like, let me teach you a lesson. What about you, Anne? What's your favorite? It's hard to say because a lot of them are so good. I think I want to talk about the Albanian, though. 
because I thought that was <laughs> a fantastic story. Anne's got a thing for puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not really, but especially not that one. Oh my God! I think feel like you would have to exorcise it or something. Like, <laughs> why would you give that to your child? Uh, but in terms of like that, uh, the noir trope is you're going to have this really dark story, and it's going to twist, and it's going to be even darker and more horrible. And th- in this case, Albanian guy who works as a janitor at an office building is like witness to somebody going insane, making a little hand puppet and a. Um, and hand pop it in one hand and gun with a silencer in the other hand and taking out his entire floor mm-hmm. and then having conversations with the puppet. And then and then in the end, there's, you know, um, stuff happens. We're not exactly sure. They're like, I don't know. We talked to this Albanian guy. His English isn't very good. And, and then it has him coming home and giving the insanity puppet to his child because he's like you know I, we couldn't afford this thing that he wanted but i have this nice little puppet it's called the boss <laughs> it's funny because i actually interpreted it a little differently like okay. i interpreted that that the albanian guy i mean first of all was not i mean you find out at the end that he he apparently is you know a former a reformed criminal trying to clean himself yeah, up because yeah. his wife is like you're not stealing again are you yeah but it to me it almost came across like witnessing what he witnessed he snapped oh and okay. he was like he was like oh the boss uh-huh. now he's got you know he's got this puppet that huh. he's t- bringing home because he's like i saved the boss's life kind of you know that's okay i mean i could see that i kind of felt like it was just sort of a good ordinary people doing terrible shit because out of necessity story sort of like the jeff lemire story with the like the old guy who's about to lose the farm finds the bleeding bank robber and (laughs) buries him in the grain silo and takes all his money oh you've got all the money yes i will definitely help you out no i'm not going to help you out (laughs) (laughs) but you know both of the both the farmer and the albanian are like these nice ordinary people that are just going to do some mildly fucked up stuff to Mm -hmm. help their families Mm -hmm. 21st century nor that was a good one. Yeah, I'm, it's Brew Baker and Sean Phillips. I mean, what the fuck am yeah, I? Yeah, you can't go wrong. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> uh, okay, so I bought everything. I've got the one side story um, that they did that was published in the Criminal Omnibus, uh, having to do with the reporter. And this is uh, okay. So now I own everything they have, and uh, fuck. And there hasn't been a bad one yet. Nope. And this is this is no exception. This is still really really good. Uh, it's pretty straightforward noir story this time, but that was, was this the one with a couple? Yes, yeah. okay. yes. Um, so the one I was saying earlier that like every you know every one of them has to have some sort of twist or something, and and that's something that I've found in my own writing is that trying to trying to wrap up a short story is not the easiest thing in the world in a in a coherent way, and some of these stories definitely. Um, miss the mark a little bit if if that makes sense so there's and it's it's little things um one in particular was there's one prose story in here that is about um it's about a guy you know typical guy meets a girl in a bar she seems a little desperate they go home they have sex uh wakes up in the morning and gets a knock on the door from somebody that's trying to collect money from her and basically tells her, <clears throat> you know, I want my 200 grand tomorrow, tonight or, you know, you're dead and this guy's dead and whatever. And the problem with the story is that the way that it, the way that it pans out is that um, they have 200 grand. She has 200 grand in a purse 
she says, oh, well, why don't you take it to the guy and um, we're going we're gonna to fake him out. They cut up a bunch of like newspapers and stuff and make fake money stacks and they put real money on top. And they're like, okay, you give him the, you give him the briefcase uh, with the fake money and then you get out before he realizes what's going on and then we'll, we'll blow town with our $200,000. And so the twist at the end is that he goes into the, the um, nightclub, hands the guy the money, and then the guy takes it and he's like, you're, he's holding a gun on him. He's like, you're going to sit right there and wait while I count this. And he pulls a Han Solo and shoots the guy. Shoot the 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 good guy shoots the the dude who was collecting the money and then walks out. Goes back to the hotel room and of course the chick has betrayed him, right? And what left. You do. And the way that they that he gets out of it, and they say at the beginning that he works for like a holographics company, right? So. In plot device company, you say? Yeah. Um, it's like Deus Ex Machina is the name of the brand. Yeah. And and the thing was that he he put a, he had a prototype for a portable holographic projector that he put in her bag and made it to project uh, the stack of real money in the bag. Because a prototype, um, for a pro- like a, a because prototype. Because it weighs holog- about the same as the stack of money was what he said. Follow me through this, right? A prototype for a, holog- a holographic projector probably is worth more than 200 grand right well wow. they, they even he, he even has to go so far as to wrap that up by saying that they put like a he he put it in the bag and she wouldn't notice until it was too late and then it had a self-destruct mechanism so that it would melt everything inside so that it wouldn't he wouldn't get in trouble and then he bails with the 200 grand that's um and i was like kind of ridiculous plot yeah and i was fiddling. i i was just a, i was kind of pissed off by it because it was like um there's a point in the story in the middle where he, he uh, she leaves the apartment while he's cutting up the paper to make the, the fake stacks, right? And it would have been just as easy to say, I made two, I fake made stacks. two sets of fake stacks and set a bunch of the other money aside. Yep. And she looked in the bag because she wouldn't have been expecting fake stacks in her bag. So she would have just looked, seen it, bailed. And then he comes home, gets the money and leaves, right? It, so here, here's my opinion on that. If you're going to do a short story, you can't refer to something that happened like, you know, 10 pages ago and be like, oh, surprise, here's the twist. Now, if you do like a long form story, like an actual novel, and you or reveal some... if it's like 45 plus pages. 45 plus pages, yeah, that's acceptable. You need the reader to forget about that key element from the beginning so that when you call back to it, they're like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, yes, like, no, the yeah. gun was on the mantelpiece the whole time. I... <sighs> If you can, if yeah, you I can early see that. passing to the point where the reader doesn't realize that it is a key point that will be coming to play later. Okay, they succeeded at that to me in this story because I didn't remember the holographic projecting company thing. I just thought it was stupid. I just thought it was a stupid overreach, right? It was like, oh, you've got me, you've got me sucked into this real world, and then you're trying to tell me that. Uh, you've there's got this th- there's a whole speculative element that's the, entirely yeah, unnecessary. Exactly. Yeah, that okay. that okay, okay. Now all of a sudden she's going to be fooled by a hologram of money in a bag. Let's, I'm like, why oh. didn't he make a hologram of himself to fool the attackers and then something split? Like, what? yeah. There's a, there's a, there's all kinds of things in that story that it's just sort of like Inception, right? It's a really simple story, and there was a big speculative element. And why the fuck didn't they deal with the whole shared dream thing? Because oh my god. No, my favorite my favorite thing about Inception is like uh, <laughs> if, if you can't. 
if you can't come if you can't come back to the U.S., why didn't the butler just fly the kids to Paris? Because <laughs> hey. like the whole point of the story is I want to go home to my kids. It's like, well, why didn't you just fly him to Paris? <laughs> well, okay. So enough bad stuff. Let's talk about the bad night. <laughs> which I think is everyone's favorite I wanna, story. Oh, actually, yeah. I want to talk about the bad night last because there is one. There is one. The story that I was just talking about, I actually liked the vast majority of it. I didn't like the ending. There is one story in here that I think completely failed, and that was. Um, let me see. I don't subway remember pusher. Title. Subway pusher. Yeah. I don't think whatever. that entirely failed. Fracture. I just think it wasn't a linear storyline in a collection of linear storylines. It was a really. Fracture. It mm. was an abstract Fracture. surreal thing. Yeah. And it didn't fit with the rest of the collection. But my so my biggest problem with it is that yes, it's an abstract surreal thing, and the 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 premise being that the whole story starts out with this girl standing on a subway, and she's and there's a guy asking her for money, and she has this she she says at the beginning, um, "Do you ever think about it? I think about it all the time, or something like that." Yeah. And then she has this you know true lies moment where she pushes the guy off into the tracks instead of and then it rewinds and like oh no she didn't actually push him off the tracks and the whole comic is her having these like thoughts of either killing or suicide mostly suicide (laughs) and then rewinding and finding oh no it's not actually you know she didn't actually kill herself she's just going through a normal day but she's constantly thinking about suicide the problem was that it took if you it's it's wordless with the exception of the very beginning and the very end. Yeah. And I felt like they they didn't if you're going to do a wordless comic, you have to be super clear in your illustrations That's and super true. clear in how things are progressing and they just weren't. They were just like dude dude dude. Okay, so here's going to be our twist, right? You are actually watching yourself watch the comic book. That's, your mind's going to be fucking blown. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. It didn't work. No, um, and I and that was the problem that I had with it. It was just that it took me. Now I don't necessarily I think it needed mind. more space. Actually, just like physically on the page to yeah. have the needed level less of detail. Space. That less space, less space, and then what a bit level less. of detail that would have <laughs> no, lent for clear images so you could tell <laughs> what you. was going on, no. and it would have been a little bit like the surreal book that y'all hated, but I liked that one. That the I don't remember. Muppets one. <laughs> Jim Henson, not Muppets. <laughs> the thing that that Luke hates. Oh, Actually, no, 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 Tales of down. Sand. I like Tales of Sand. You liked it. I like Tales of Sand. Well, I, own, I own artwork from yeah. it. Yeah. Not yeah, prints. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry. Yeah. You own pages of the book. Yeah. Um, my my biggest issue with it was just that I couldn't like. It was really difficult to tell what was really going on. It's really difficult to follow and tell what was yeah. going on. That was a problem. Um. Because there have been so one of my favorite actually a long time ago one of my favorite wordless comics was a comic that Dark Horse did in the mid nineties called Age of Reptiles, <laughs> and it was a four issue series set in the Mesozoic or whatever, and the whole thing was about a um, uh, it was like a a group of tyrannosaurs and a group of raptors that were basically for lack of a better term, warring clans, right? But there was like mm-hmm. families that were that were against each other and it was completely wordless. It was all imagery and it was fucking brilliant. Nice. Like, the know, first one anyway. They did sequels that were terrible. But you, know, like, you know what's actually brilliant? Imagining a Tyrannosaurus Rex trying to make a bed. <laughs> yep, it is the saddest. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty brutal. Before we move on to the last one, I just wanted to comment briefly on um, the prose story. I admit I didn't get all the way through. Um... I was reading the book in a hurry, 
<laughs> and I was to- I totally TLDR'd, and I, I, and I kind of <laughs> <laughs> I feel guilty inside for that. Jesus fucking Christ, and I'm like, hey, I'm not gonna give you guys a huge comic. I'm no, gonna no. give you like it's you know, yes, it's sixty pages, but they're very tiny pages. But here's and where it's get better. It gets are, better, are, are right? Writing. It's more guilty. Because I just wrote for my thesis a book that combines prose and comics, so and no one's going to read it. No, I'm going. That to is help. karma. I really liked. Um, um, my point being, I think there should be at least two, if not three, pieces of. If you're going to mix genres, do like three short stories, mm-hmm. and a bunch of comics. Or if you're going to p- chuck a comic in, unless it's like a literary journal, put in like three of them. First off. That was hateful, even for me. So I apologize, Anne. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I Sec- willfully ignore you. Huzzah! Fair enough. Second off, uh, the second Parker book actually has three short stories that are prose interlaced within. That's the magic and it number. it works phenomenally. Yes. Mm. I did like, front to back, I did like the, the one called Lady's Choice by the Philbach brothers. The one about the, the woman who was like the girlfriend of the the... Yeah, um, rich, yeah. snotty guy, and then an American comes in to collect money from him, cowboy. and she just totally gets infatuated with the the cowboy because I think one of the reasons that I liked it so much was that it um, there wasn't unlike most of the other stories in the book there wasn't it wasn't like somebody directly getting fucked over it was more implied <laughs> and there was like a subtle fuck like a gentle yeah like, just it was like, like you know, you're going downhill on like a ski slope so like just you know because what i really i what i really liked about it was that she was like she's starting to get fed up with this guy because mm-hmm. he was just bo- he was boring her and at toward the end when the american comes in and the american's just like i want my money i want it now and the guy starts getting up in his face about oh i paid you blah 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 and she goes Oh, don't start talking about how powerful you are. And then the guy's like, do you know who I am? Do you know what kind of power I have? And she just kind of goes, oh, Jesus. And, I love <laughs> that then, story because it was really it was really focused on her perspective. And yeah. with, I mean, it was like very limited third, I guess, in yeah, terms yeah. of like her perceptions of like why the cowboy's alluring or like her making side commentary. We're totally, we're totally with her, which is kind of nice because that reverses the camera from a lot of femme fatales, frankly. Yeah. And, and I, I, I really enjoyed the fact that in most noir books, it would have ended in like somebody getting popped, right? Yeah. It would have been, it would have been like, oh, the American's got a gun on him. This guy's going to die. And it turned out the, the American's just like, no, you're, you're actually going to give me the money. And the guy's like, and then just hands him an envelope. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of like it. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's, I believe the, uh, the technical term isn't popped. It's cacked. Capped. Cacked. 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 No. That's no. what you do in your pants. Cap. <laughs> cap. Cap. Like I'm going to peel a cap in you. going to pop a cap in your ass? Pop a cap. Cap. Like a cap gun. It, don't worry, everybody. Andy's from the Midwest. He's <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, all right. So, so yeah. Now we now we've got to talk about the last story, which <laughs> the bad night, the bad night, the bad night, which Even is the title works on so many. Oh levels. my god. Uh, yeah. I don't think that the Moon slash Bob brothers can do anything wrong. No, really. Yep. Even the, details. Their <laughs> book about life in fucking Brazil is amazing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the entire story is, it takes place in a bar, and the entire thing is some, you know, kind of down on his luck dude getting 
planning a, a heist, planning a heist, or a, an insurance scam, as yep. it were, because nothing's going to go wrong. The family has you know tons of money, and obviously the jewelry that they have is insured. So what's going to happen is you know he knows that they're going to leave this location, and you know every week they do the same thing over and over again. So he's just going to rob them in the alley. He's going to take this piece of jewelry, and everything is going to be fucking dandy for everyone. And literally, it's what six pages of them discussing like how yeah, the, the details, how, how the, the scam works, yeah, how everything's going to go down. You know, obviously, no one's going to get hurt, nothing's going on. And then the last panel happens. Well, actually, the second to last panel happens when yeah. he's like, "Yeah, the Wayne family is never going to see it coming." <laughs> and then you flip the page. I don't think he even says Wayne. He doesn't. He's it like, does, "Oh, and they have not, a little boy with them." That's th- yeah. No it, worries. It, he it, won't be a problem. There, at no point do they actually mention they don't the Wayne. name of the family. Yeah. At all, they just say um, uh, they're at the pictures right now. Afterwards, they'll take a walk, not exactly in a park, but you'll be there waiting for them. And one more thing, they'll have their kid with them. A kid, and then it, and then of course the last page is the very iconic two rich parents. You know, the Wayne. Basically, it's the Wayne family. The Wayne family. Yeah, yeah, this is the origin of Batman. From the goddamn side of the criminals who ends killed his the parents. Pearl necklace. And it ends on the fucking pearl necklace that uh, Martha Wayne is wearing. Yeah. Yeah. Bam. And that's the end of the book. No, so it's no, like no, no, no. the book starts off with a punch in the nose and then ends off with a kick in the balls. <laughs> yeah. Or gonads like, of choice. I I liked that end story because I liked I really liked that um, again, a twist at the end, and that one never saw it never never would have expected it nothing just like especially after a whole book of like twisty stories that was the perfect ending piece i definitely like well and see that's why they can't that's why they actually can't say wayne family because if they do i mean then dc is going to jump all over their shit but i appreciated the very mildly hooked nose of the person that the criminal is talking to in the bar that's giving him this heist (laughs) (laughs) yeah i uh yeah that was a good one that was um, overall, I think, I mean, I liked probably 80% of this book, uh, like, except for the ones that I said, like the one, the one subway pusher story I thought was fell flat, didn't, didn't work. And a couple of the endings were a little, a little cheese ball. Like the, the one with the, um, the woman going and seducing the, the, um, the work, the, the personal trainer. This, that that um, whole one was a little funky for me. Yeah, it was especially funky when she like she she comes into the gym, um, for lack of a better term, a little dumpy. Um, she spontaneously dropped fifty pounds and was a mad scientist. It was a little intense. <laughs> no, it was five weeks. No, she wasn't a mad five, scientist. Uh, but she was her husband assistant. was the mad scientist. Yes. Damn it. But still, Women, take your own mad science. But still, Maybe that's how she dropped fifty pounds. She that's that was my point, right? She's like, she goes from she goes from like kind of dumpy housewife to wearing baggy sweatpants, baggy sweatpants to you know spelt spelt buxom hottie in five weeks how many women on this planet would out ever (laughs) how many women on this planet would kill how many fucking people i would kill to go from fucking ogre as andy describes me (laughs) to to something a little you know a little more six (laughs) a little more six packy in five fucking weeks yeah i'd do that personal trainer absolutely although i think you have to have sex with that personal trainer and also be a mad scientist yeah that's possible 
I don't think I'm really willing to do that. Uh, that was one where I'm sort of like, like just the whole thing. I'm sort of like, do either of you a work out or b hang around women? Yeah, it it would have been cool if 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 it had if the time frame had been a little more realistic. Yeah. If they'd been like. If it was five a six months month later, build up, yeah, something that like been, that would have been more been interesting. Um, I understand that they can't, you know, can't do a lot in the short fiction, oh, but then because then all you know, of a sudden so much like, harder oh, to write months, six months as opposed later. to weeks. Well, true, and then they're like, oh, by the way, we um, um, transferred your conscious, my husband's consciousness, into your body, and we're walking away with it. No. See you later. We're going on a yeah. cruise. We're going on a cruise, and we're you on can, a boat. That was also sort of a deus ex machina in a speculative way. Hmm. Right, where all of a sudden it's just like, whoa, wait, what? Perhaps the takeaway lesson here, writers, is that if you're going to introduce a speculative element, maybe not right at the end without ever talking about it before. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, overall, this book is awesome. And it's a, it was a good good suggestion, Andy. I, I liked it. Yeah. It's $13. Yeah. Oh, man, this is so deeply worth it $13. It is a dollar a story. And you know what? I don't give a fuck if I hated, you know, like six of them. Because I would pay $13 for the Gabriel Bob the Fabio Moonstone story alone. And yeah. then you've got the uh, Sean Phillips you keep for, story. By the way, you keep saying Gabriel Bob Fabio Moon, but you keep forgetting that Brian Azzarello actually wrote it. Yeah. Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba just did the art. They just drew it. Azarello wrote it. He's got so. billing too. <laughs> I, I like Casanova more than I like 100 Bullets. What do you want? I didn't realize Brian Azarello was married to Jill Thompson. Really? I uh-huh. didn't until just this second either. I read it in the bios. Because this who, was an interesting enough book that I read the bios. I don't know who Jill Thompson is. She did Scary Godmother and so no, Sam I know who Jill stuff. Thompson is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, bye. It's an instant buy for me. Like, I absolutely. If you can find it, buy it. I'd buy it, and I don't like to buy things, but buy <laughs> this thing. Joel. Hey, what, when did we start going crisscross? I'll buy it. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. I was going to end up and do something funny. You can still do something funny. <laughs> I mean, it's not like Andy's going to trump the, you. Yeah. The no, funny hunt instead of the funny ha-ha. Hey, Joel, buy Bauer burning your shit on my couch. <laughs> like, that's what I think. Well, what does that mean? Oh, bye. Uh, <laughs> bye. 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 Mm. Bye, too. Fuck. Yeah. If it ever gets released in like some sort of oh, hardcover yeah. format, I will buy it. Oh, yeah. I would buy a hardcover of this in a heartbeat. Ar- an artist's illustration version, I'd buy. Yeah. I want to buy pages from it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to... Stick it to my face. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, it's again, it's called Noir, a collection of crime comics from Dark Horse Comics from 2009. If you can find it, buy it, do it. For the next four shows, we've got them planned out. Um, the next one is going to be Come Back by Ed Brisson. Uh, we were originally, last episode we said we were originally going to have the interview with Ed and Johnny in the same episode that we did uh, the Come Back review, but scheduling, you know, we suck at it. Uh, so we wanted to get the interview out prior and we're going to do Come Back for the next episode. Uh, after that, we're doing Captain Marvel, uh, the the new run of Captain Marvel written by Kelly Sue DeConnick. Which episode is this? That's 47? 40. 
this is 47, 48 is comeback, 49 is Captain Marvel, and then Fuck 50 yes. is 50, we're going to do Planetary. Yeah, so I guess yeah. it's the next three shows are planned out. 50, episode 50, which will be our two-year anniversary and our, uh, you know, obviously a nice round number, our 50th episode, we want to do one of the one of the best comic books on the market. So fucking good. Uh, so you already know what the end of that episode is going to be, but... Um, Let me sum it up. Bye, 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 <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye bye bye. Yeah, bye so bye bye. bye. So again, it's uh, it's bye Ed Brisson's comeback. It's um, Captain Marvel, the Kelly Sue DeConnick run on Captain Marvel, the first trade. I'm first assuming. trade, yeah. And uh, In the of entirety of Planetary, which encompasses sixty issues, twenty six. Oh, is it that? Sm- oh, you're right. It is short. that small. It is like 20, 26 issues, four trades, not including the uh, the crossover ones like Planetary Batman, yeah, whatever, and whatever. That, so. that shit does not matter. Yeah. So. Um, for the love of Christ, read Planetary before we do that episode. Because yeah. I'm going to spoil the shit out of every yes. single arc, nuance, <laughs> possible plot point, the ending, and then I'm going to blow everyone's mind by explaining it in a simple sentence. Okay. Uh, do that for every show, actually. The whole point of this podcast is to be a, <laughs> uh, a, a book club. We do spoil the crap out of the things that we read and talk about. Uh, so for the next few episodes, th- these are all uh, legitimately decent comic books that we all think you should read anyway. Um, sometimes we don't know, right? Sometimes we're walking into it just as blind as you are. Echo. Uh, so Did you say Adolf? Voltaire? I said Echo. Echo? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like a movie. Hey, let's think of three episodes. <laughs> Boring Girl and Super Truck, Hitler do, and, <laughs> and Frank Miller goes nuts. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it totally hey, good. Frank Miller presents. They won't let me do this as a Batman story. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, read those comic books before we talk about them, and then talk about them with us on the show. You can send us questions or comments uh, for anything that you read about and want to want us to uh, discuss to uh, our email address at tradesecrets at geekerific or you can hit us up on Twitter at trade secrets pod. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash tradesecretspodcast. Um, and you can also hit up any one of us on Twitter as well. Uh, I am at Geek Elite. Anne is at Anne Bean Tweets. Uh, and Andy, <laughs> Andy is at Mathtastrophe. And Joel is at Superfly, spelled strangely. Uh, but Spell Mathtastrophe then. <laughs> M-A-S-T-H-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-Y. God. Yeah. Um, S-O-O-P-E-R-P-H-L-Y. Superfly. Uh, so you can hit us up in any of those places with questions, comments uh, about the show. We will use them on the show. We hope to get a bunch for episode 50. So if you have anything you want to say about planetary or if you have anything you want to say about the show, if you have any comments or anything you want us to, to read on the show, we will definitely do it. Uh, thank you, Andy, for loaning us your apartment as usual. Yeah, uh, I love Murder Book. I, I just got to say that one more time because yeah, of Mur- Ed and Johnny. Murder Book is good stuff. Go to edbrisson.com. Thank you. Before I thank all of us, I should definitely, again, thank Ed Brisson and Johnny Christmas for taking some time out of Lair Weekend to to sit with me and talk about their new new book. It's called Sheltered. It comes out on July 10th. And again, they will be signing at Maximum Comics in Vegas on July 10th for the release of the book. So check it out. It sounds like it'll be good. Go um, meet them. I have not met Johnny, but Ed is a super fucking cool yeah. guy. Um, go to uh, edbrisson.com. And unfortunately, so there is a Tumblr uh, that that 
Johnny Christmas maintains has a ton of artwork in it, both from Murder Book and from from uh, Sheltered. And I can't remember what it's called, but if you go to edbrisson.com or murderbook.com and click on the bio link for Johnny Christmas, it'll take you to that Tumblr. And I'd say go take a look at it because some of the artwork that they've got <laughs> there is so fantastic. Good. So good. Um, yeah, and uh, thank you, Andy. Thank you, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you Anne. Hooray! I am Luke. This is episode 47 of Trade Secrets, and we are out. Make it harder, make it better, do it faster, makes us stronger, all them.